Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. Check out the score's new showtimes starting Monday. Our starting lineup kicks off your morning with Molly and Haw at a new time. Now getting you to work starting at 5.30 and going all the way to 10 a.m. Followed by the newest mashup of Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes. 10 a.m. till 2. Parkins and Spiegel afternoons, 2 to 6. And Gabe Ramirez at night. Same great score lineup, new times. We are Sports Radio 670 The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD 2 Chicago. Station. Down the line, that is a fair baseball again into that corner. And Luis Robert brings home one, maybe two. Here comes the second. The Sox are up 7-0 in a shocker today in Houston. It was a shocker yesterday in Houston. And of course, welcome back. To hit and run 670 the score cody decker in for matt spiegel and of course we're about to bring on shane reardon before we do got to tell you about the new lineup taking place here on 670 to the score that's right starting monday score fans 
Listen to the new score lineup. Moley and Haw kick off the day from 5 a, 5.30 a.m. to 10 a.m. The new Bernstein and Home show from 10 a.m. to 2. Parkins and Spiegel drive you home from 2 to 6. Cubs baseball and, of course, Gabe Ramirez handles nights starting at 6. All live and all local in Chicagoland on the score and the Odyssey app. Guys, we already teased it. Let's bring him in. He is the producer of Parkins and Spiegel. He is the host of Odyssey Sports's new Sox podcast, of which, of course, is called Southsiders Podcast. You can check it out on Odyssey Sports or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Shane Reardon. Shane, yesterday was a fun game. Are you hoping today will be fun? Yeah, of, of course I'm hoping today will be fun, but like, what is this? So you guys have to have people on today that that it, don't get to celebrate with their father or something? Like, it's well publicized that my dad doesn't want to spend Father's Day with me today because he's got kidney stones. He'd rather focus on that. So you have to just find the people who don't get to celebrate with their dads? Yeah, why do you think I'm hosting the show? It's Father's Day. <laughs> I have a father too. I'm here. Why are you complaining? I've been here for three hours and I have a show after this. Yeah, but I work with Danny and Speed for four hours a day. So, like, this is one day of three hours of radio for you. That is fair, but it's all you only got to do 10 minutes on Father's Day where you get to miss out on your father. I get to miss out on my father all day. So, Shane, I'm worse. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yesterday was fun. Uh, it's nice to do that to Justin Verlander. But, <laughs> like, the, the contact was still weak, right? It's nice to see Luis Robert get a couple hits and go the other way with one, but the contact was still weak. It, the majority of those RBIs were, were, were gotten by weak contact on the third baseline. So it's not so. like... there, was a couple, there was a couple of good contacts through the right side of the hole. In fact, I was enjoying watching them take advantage of the hole that they were giving them. Yeah, but one of those holes was also between Jose Altuve's legs. Got lucky real that there. That is true. It got real lucky there. So I'm not like, I'm not, yesterday wasn't necessarily a turning point for me. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I mean, I still feel good about them. I, I th on the, I've gone on the record on the afternoon show that I still have them as the AL Central champions at, with maybe 85 wins. I did the same thing on the Southsiders podcast with Gabe, which is two times a week. Um, but yeah, Johnny Cueto is, is more impressive to me than the offense putting up seven yesterday, I think. Johnny Cueto has been ungodly impressive. I mean, we were all giggling about it when the, the signing was made. Oh, we just replaced Keiko with Johnny Cueto. What the hell were we thinking? And dude, it's been unreal so far. We got to keep riding this wave as long as we can. But you mentioned the offensive side um, and you talked about a turning point. Dude, earlier this week, I thought, even though it was against Detroit, I was like, oh, finally, maybe a turning point here, maybe. And it wasn't necessarily the beating up on the team. It was one player in particular that I was excited for. And even though two of the hits were off position players, Mankata getting five hits in that game was like a weight lifted off of everybody's back. Right. Then a possible IL stint. This guy just, we just can't get out of Mankata's way, huh? Yeah, I, I guess not. He seems to, every time you, you get a little bit of, excitement around you on he pulls up with something lame or he is at t the town nightclub until three o'clock in the morning on a Sunday night with Johnny Cueto and then can't play for a few days. So I, I, I feel bad saying it because like, I'm not a major league baseball player, but sometimes I do question you know, on drive. And I know I kind of feel like an idiot saying that to a former major league baseball player. And none of us really know what you guys have going on. And I know there's a lot of work, but it just doesn't look like he has fun playing baseball. Is that fair to say that when you see uh, compare Yoan Moncada to maybe, and maybe this is an extreme, but compare Yoan Moncada to Eloy Jimenez, and Eloy looks like he always loves playing the game. You look at Yoan Moncada, and you see him take some awesome at bats where he's milking the strike zone, and it seems like he's he's well aware of where the strike zone is, and then in another at bat in the same game, it's completely non-competitive, 
and there's two strikes and there's a ball in the outside corner and he just throws his hands at it all willy nilly. So you know that phrase. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you know the phrase that's used in baseball a lot. The phrase is used is raw, and that's how he was described a lot when he was with the Red Sox. When I played with him, we were in Double A together for about three months in Portland, Maine, before he got traded over to the White Sox. He had obviously still does every possible tool, but his baseball IQ at the time was in the in the depths of hell. So he would run him, run us out of innings. He would make stupid errors at the time, but everything was there. He would show flashes of just genius. But there was one thing you knew about him. He had fun every single day. And there's something that I heard the announcers even saying after that good game he had. Man, it's good to see a smile on his face. We haven't seen a right. smile on his face. And he, yeah, you're right. He has been a chore to watch. This team has been a chore to watch. Why is this team miserable? Yeah, you know what? And real quick back in Moncada, I guess maybe I'm not being fair about it because at that point he had played in what, like 32 games so far this season. And if you're not going good, then it's going to be a little bit harder to have fun. But maybe it's easier to break out of it if you got a smile on your face. I, mean, I don't want to tell anybody to smile, but maybe it's <laughs> a little bit easier to break out of it if you're trying to force yourself to have a little bit of fun. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It, it's... It's it's hard being a White Sox fan because not only have I been a fan my entire life, like since the day I was born, but I'm like monetarily invested with season tickets. So you you want to be objective on the on the podcast, excuse me. You want to be objective, but then you also understand that hey, part of my paycheck is going to you guys in a bigger sense than just going to one game every couple of months, and they're just so freaking miserable sometimes. So yeah. miserable. You go back to the Tiger series, and yes. It's nice to sweep the Tigers, but sweeping the Tigers is the equivalent of making sure you put a glass of water on your nightstand before you go to bed because you need water before you go to sleep. And when you wake up, you're going to want to drink. That's like the bare necessity of you taking care of yourself. That's the equivalent of beating the Tigers. That's the bare necessity of having a successful season. The Tigers are the worst team in baseball. If you can't sweep the Tigers, you can't win a division. So I agree more. I, I, I know it's like the medicine that everybody needs to take and you need to sweep the Tigers, but that series isn't a turning point for me. It's not an indicator of who they are. It's just what they needed to do. And now they've I got... Actually, Go ahead. No, I actually agree with you. In fact, this series was would, would be more of an indicator, but definitely not the turning point either. I'm looking forward to today's game. Kopech on the mound facing Javier, man. This is going to be hopefully a good game. If they could take two out of three in Houston... Again, I don't think it's going to be a turning point, but it's definitely a step in the right direction after a sweep of the Tigers. Is Kopech's knee of any worry to you? He said yes. that he's not going to have any real pain. He doesn't have any pain right now, but he also said that it's not going to feel the same for the rest of the season. What does that mean in a baseball player's head? As of right now, I don't know. If he's putting it out there and he's saying it, then it's definitely something that's ringing in the back of his head, and I don't like that. But keep in mind, this is also a guy that before his first start said it's going to be a chore for him to get to five innings this season, and he's been doing a hell of a job getting to five innings. He sure has, and he's got the best stuff on the team right now with with Dylan Cease's fa Dylan Cease's fastball not necessarily having the bite that it usually does. He's only throwing that at like a 31-32% clip. He's got a killer out pitch with a fastball that he just hasn't been able to use. So, unfortunately... You're relying on a guy, Michael Kopech, who two years ago wasn't even on the playoff roster because he had mental demons that he was trying to battle, and he did. He did that. You, you, we, the mental aspect of Michael Kopech's game and Michael Kopech's life has been like the center point in his White Sox story. And it seemed this season that he had finally overcome the mental aspect of playing baseball every day and balancing like the work-life balance. So this is a kicker. 
Like today is, is very much going to be a sign of what's to come for Michael Kopech because honest to God, man, they need him. You can't, Johnny Cueto comes in on a minor league deal and immediately he's got the most games thrown at seven innings pitched or more out of that whole staff at six games. Justin Verlander's done it 10 times. Cueto comes in and he's been an absolute godsend. He really, really has. Taking over for that spot, especially. Uh, you know, we weren't expecting anything. So to really watch him get to the seventh inning the way he's been doing uh, for this team has been phenomenal. Hey, on the uh, offensive side, Tim Anderson coming off the IL soon. Uh, Grandall still down. But Grandall, not the same guy this year that he was last year. I mean, Grandall sees a lot of pitches, walks a lot. Not hasn't been the case this year. In fact, the White Sox seeing less pitches than just about any other team in baseball. Yeah, man, I don't really know what to think of Yasmani Grandall. It's been a complete 180. He's been a complete 180. And like, if if he's going to not take the walks that he usually does, and he's not going to hit the ball, and he's not going to hit the home run, and he's not going to do anything offensively then at least be like Brandon Maldonado, who we've seen this weekend, and be one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. But he hasn't even been that. The guy can't catch the ball, and he can't hit the ball, and he can't see the ball in the strike zone, so he can't take walks. He's been an absolute net negative everywhere on the field. I can't speak to what he's doing in the clubhouse and that leadership aspect, but he's been an absolute net negative in a, a world where the White Sox have these young pitchers that need need a good, strong defensive catcher. And Reese McGuire's been fine, but that guy can't hit the ball either. No, he can't. He can't but he, keep in mind, no. I, with this team, I'd much rather my catcher be a great catcher. I need yeah. this I need this pitching staff running on all cylinders. If, if Reese McGuire is catching great and hitting 075, I truly don't care. He should have other people in that lineup picking up the pace. However, I don't feel like anybody's handling this staff that well either. No. No, Ismani Grandal has never done that with these staffs. It may be on the like the mental side, but we knew coming in as as a White Sox fan base that that he was not going to be the defensive uh, genius that that you need. No, he never was. In fact, when it came to playoff time, the Dodgers would always catch Austin Barnes, and Grandal was an All Star in L.A. By the way, um, also on top of that, you were at that uh, Cubs one nothing game, watching two streaks come to an end. How was that? Um, really hot. So <laughs> like really hot. We, it, it was just supposed to be like a chill day. Had, uh, my friend had a friend in town from Atlanta. So she's a big Braves fan. So we we're going to go see that. So we did like a couple drinks outside of Murphy's first, just to ease into it, just to chill out a couple gin and lemonades. And we're like, all right, let's go in. Like by the third inning, we'll, we'll go in by the third inning and just relax for a few innings. I look at my phone at about two fifteen, where the third inning should be. And it's the freaking bottom of the fifth. We get in there, and I've got to leave anyway in, like, the eighth <laughs> inning if, if one team has the lead because I've got to get in to do the afternoon show. And we got, like, 45 minutes of baseball. And it sucked. The, the, the sack <laughs> fly was fun. Like, I love watching Chris Morrell play. Absolutely. And everyone should love watching Chris Morrell play. But it was, like, 85 degrees, which is perfect, but we were directly in the sun um, drinking some 312 lemonade shandies. Perfect for that day directly in the sun, and I mean, I wore my hat backwards. I have a tan line from, like, the snapback strap on my forehead that is, like, middle school level dance embarrassing when your pants split. That's how bad this this tan line is. But it was a good day for baseball. I love a Friday afternoon game at Wrigley. I dig it. I dig it. Hey, on top of that, real quick, you as a White Sox fan, what would you prefer this team do in the uh, trade deadline? Would you prefer them to go get a new catcher 
a different bullpen arm, or are you hoping that all the bullpen is going to come back healthy soon, or are you hoping they're going to add a starter? What do you what do you think this team needs most come trade deadline? I th- I think they need a, a a second baseman that can hit some homers or, or a power hitting right fielder. Like I'm fine with the money that they spent on the bullpen, and let's just unfortunate. Like I'm going to make the assumption. I know it's wrong. I'm going to make the assumption that Liam Hendricks UCL is fine and that he. When he says he's going to feel good by July 1st, then he's going to feel good by July 1st. So I'm, I'm, good, I'm going to take my chances and ride the bullpen. I'm going to take my chances and ride Yasmani Grandal and Reese McGuire, but then keep an eye on Carlos Perez and Charlotte, 25-year-old kid who's absolutely mashing the ball. Maybe they can bring him up if, if Reese falters or if Yasmani Grandal is more hurt. I don't have a – maybe Josh Bell in Pittsburgh. That's somebody I've said for a little while – he hasn't played the outfield in a long time. Not in Pittsburgh. In, in uh, where, where is he at? Washington? Washington. He's over Washington. I'm now. sorry. He, he hasn't played the outfield in a long time. But, like, if you were going to throw Gavin Sheets out in right field or Gavin Sheets out in left field, Josh Bell can still hit the crap out of the ball. So, if they're going to acquire somebody, I want a power-hitting right fielder or second baseman. I can see that. I mean, Josh Bell's not a bad one. And like you said, it would be a comparable outfield move uh, based on what they already have out there. I, 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 like you said, I like this team's bullpen if they're healthy. I mean, Kendall Graveman, Joe Kelly, Liam Hendricks, that sells itself. I mean, losing crochet hurts. Bummer going on the IL hurts. I mean, I, I, I don't think they could hurt to get another, their hands on another lefty if they could yeah, find lefty. one. But the truth is, what great lefties are even out there? Yeah, and, and I, I couldn't even tell you, man. I, I couldn't yeah. even tell you. Sorry, I got a barking dog in the background. Jesus Christ. That's all good, and She's dude. Got I got no I idea. Got... I'm talking to the Cody Decker. Yeah, well, why don't you tell the dog, hey, I'm talking to the Cody Decker, and the dog can, you know, make more noise. Hey, before you let me go, what are your predictions for the Odyssey Media League softball team moving forward? Um. Well, have you, you added any new? have you added any new players? Yeah, we have, believe it or not. So the grift of a lifetime, I've been trying to get the best player in last year's league a job with Odyssey for a little while. He's just coming out of Ohio State, uh, just graduated, and we got him. We, we got him onto the BetQL roster, working some video production, so that means he's my center fielder starting next week. So Congratulations. The, 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 yeah, it's free agent work as a, I'm a master. It's a little bit of uh, tampering or whatever, but I got him in here. Um the already second best team in the league. We were in the championship last year, lost in 11 innings. That's right, 11 innings in a slow pitch softball game. Just added the best player in the league. So I feel good about us. I don't know how you feel, but I feel good about us. I feel really good about this. Listen, I hate the WGN team. I really want them to go down in flames, and I want yeah. you to be the one that sets them on fire. Congratulations mm. on your new center fielder. Hey, man, maybe at some point I'll be in Chicago some point this summer. Maybe I'll come in and uh, – go under a false name or actually technically you guys send me paychecks. So I guess I'm an employee. I guess I could play on the team. Yeah. We send you paychecks every once in a while. I guess they get there when they get there. Uh, so <laughs> b- b- before you let me go, uh, happy father's day to everybody out there. Happy father's day to my dad. I hope you pass your kidney stone soon. Awesome, man. Shane, you're the best Parkinson right. Spiegel South Siders podcast on Odyssey sports and wherever you get your favorite podcast, Shane, it goes without saying that you are a, f- basically family you're the greatest guy on this entire network and we love you cody thank you happy father's day to you and the children you don't know you have 
Thank you so much. I probably hope they're not out there. Thank you very, very much. Guys, we're going to take a quick little break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Yoan Moncada. We'll talk a little about the Cubs and Sox today and so much more and get you ready for a little bit of down the line, which will be taking place right after this show. Technically, this show just doesn't end. More me right after this on 670 The Score. Hit and Run, Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's sports station. All area that redoubles the effort as there's a swing and a miss for strike three, and Cueto strikes out Altuve and a nice recovery from the walk. It was, I mean, Johnny set the tempo. Um, he's an artist out there. You know, the blooper and infield single. I mean, he just, I guess, a very good lineup. That was just. High, high, major league of pitching. He ain't wrong. It was an astonishing performance. In fact, I would dare say that he's been astonishing since he's put on a White Sox uniform. Like, really has been. Was anyone expecting this out of Johnny Cueto this year? Anyone? Any? Was Johnny Cueto expecting this out of Johnny Cueto this year? It's awesome. I'm loving it. It's one of the highlights so far of the Cubs of the White Sox season. By the way, uh, speaking of Chicago baseball, Jed Hoyer is going to be live here on 670 The Score on 9 a.m. Monday with Mullion Hall. And by the way, we got a whole new score lineup for you guys starting this Monday. Hey, same shows, but in a different way. Scores fans, starting Monday, listen to this new score lineup. Mullion Hall, of course, kick off the day from 5.30 a.m. to 10 a.m. The new Bernstein and Home Show from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. and Parkinson Spiegel drive you home from 2 to 6 and Cubs baseball and Gabe Ramirez handle nights starting at 6 p.m. all live and all local in Chicagoland on the score and on the Odyssey app. Listen, let's talk a little bit about the White Sox some more. We just had Shane Reardon talking about him and I feel like it's cheating at this point to complain about Tony La Russa because obviously uh, we all know what the problems are with Tony La Russa. Uh, I feel as though he has caused this team a few games thus far. But, hey, Johnny Cueto has the most six-plus innings starts for the White Sox this season with six starts. In six starts, he's gotten to more six-plus inning starts than anyone else on the team. Lucas Giolito with four, but he's been having some trouble getting into the sixth inning because his six innings have been his worst innings. Michael Kopech has four. And, of course, K-Prop King Dylan Cease has three. Um, highlights from yesterday's game, obviously Luis Robert, I mean, he went three for five with four RBIs yesterday, but we heard Shane on here. He wasn't thrilled about it because he felt his own still soft contact, which he's not entirely wrong. However, a couple of good soft contacts through the right side of an open hole is always a nice thing to happen, especially if they're going to give it to you. And if they're going to pitch you that way, it was looking like Verlander was getting very frustrated. You want to frustrate a really good pitcher. I know hard contact is what we all hunt. Hard contact is where everything is at. We talked about exit velocity as if, as if exit velocity is going on all of our tombstones at this point. Is exit velocity important? Yeah, it's important. Of course it is. It judges how hard you can hit a baseball. You're cutting down reaction time for the defense. That's an extra step that a defender can't take to go get a ball. That's an extra half second that a defender doesn't have to throw a ball across the diamond. Yes, very important. However, you want to get under a pitcher's skin, legitimately get under his skin, hard contact ain't going to be the thing that does it unless it goes over the fence. 
You need the hard contact to get under a pitcher's skin. You got to get four hard contacts in a row. That'll get under a pitcher's skin. But getting four hard contacts in a row in a Major League Baseball game, we all watch Major League Baseball. How many hard contacts in a row do you normally see? Especially in this day and age where everybody's throwing 95, 98 plus with 2,400 RPM spin rate. And then some. I love Cutters. exit velocity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to get to the exit velocity. Hurry today. up. We get it gone then. Hey, I love exit velocity too. It's a sweet thing to brag about. What do you? All right, all right I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it to Sean. Sean, what do you think my highest exit velocity in my career was? I'm gonna set. Ooh. I'm gonna put a number out there. I'm gonna set over and under, and you're gonna tell me. You're gonna take the over or the under. Okay. All right. And I'm gonna put it at a half too. Okay, I like it. Because I'm not. I'm not playing halves. So I'm gonna tell you the exact number. Because luckily the number was the number point zero, so that's good news. Okay. Okay. 111 and a half over under was my hardest exit velocity velocity. Oh, I'm going to say over. Okay. 112 and a half. Was that my exit? What, what was my exit velocity? I want to say, I, I feel like it was over. I don't know. Right No. 114 miles per hour yeah. was my highest exit velocity that I ever hit. I hit it in 2011 in double A. Wow. It was a home run with wind coming in. Like, this is how I knew I really got it. The wind was howling in, and no ball was going anywhere near the fence. And I hit this ball about 20 feet over. And I remember very specifically, there was a player on the other team who came up to me. He's like, that was impressive. That, I can't believe you hit that through that. <laughs> you know way. that's when you hit him all like, hard, man. Even even I couldn't believe it because I'm like, I hit him like, God, that's an out. That's like the hardest ball I've ever hit in my life, and it's going to be an out. And it snuck over the wall. Trust me, I was celebrating like I just won the lottery. And the guy comes to me, he's like, I can't believe you got that through. Like, that's that was impressive. It's one of my favorite things I ever did in my career. Because when you, if you're in the minor leagues and somebody else on another team comes up to you and, and compliments you, you have no idea in the minors, it's dog eat dog. Everybody wants even their own teammates to fail because they see their teammates as competition too much. Which, by the way, is not a good thing in professional baseball. Because the truth is, a player's, a player's success has nothing to do with another player's success. In fact... It's honestly rising tide lifts all ships type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also played on a lot of teams where there's jealousy that takes. But oh, that guy's that guy's playing well. Well, he's gonna get called up, and now I'm not. The only time I ever felt that jealousy was justified, I had a teammate that I'm not obviously not gonna mention his name, who was having a much better year than another teammate. They were both center fielders. They would they would platoon center and right field all the time. Uh, we played together. We were in high A at the time. And this one guy was hitting 320, killing it. This other guy hitting 260, not killing it. We get to the All-Star break, and they called up the 260 guy to the double-A. The 330 guy was very pissed off, rightfully so. But here's what they did. They called him in the office, and they explained to him why they did it. And you ready to hear the the answer? We had to. He was a third-rounder. We're sorry. Ugh. Isn't that the other guy was stupid. a 17th rounder, and because this guy got $700,000, sorry, we have to call him up. Keep playing well where you're at. Doesn't that suck. That's so. That's. I mean, but that's that's a, that's a lot of people's story. I mean, that happens. That's the game. Man. That happens every week, man. Which sucks, but all the time. We're watching it right now. Listen, I, I, this has been a serious problem for me this year specifically because right now we're seeing an influx of rookies into Major League Baseball, which is a good thing. Right. That's a great thing. I'm loving the youth that's coming up. I'm loving the opportunities. 
However, there is a caveat here that I wasn't expecting. The amount of expectation on these rookies that are coming up at 20, 21 years old is absurd. And watching certain fan bases fold themselves into pretzels to justify certain players, their performance and where they're at and that they're that. Adley Rushman right now is not playing great. I have nothing against Adley Rushman. I think he's going to be a phenomenal baseball player in, in Baltimore. But he's been up for 100 at-bats. And the other day, his name was trending on Twitter. And everything was like, oh, this guy's electric. He's unbelievable. He's hitting one, like, 90. Yeah. He just hit his first home run maybe last week. He hit his first home run. He has three RBIs. Yeah. He's not playing good at all. No. And and the the, the Orioles, while he came up, were playing okay, actually. Hitting some home runs. This is, by the way, this is not about Adley Rushman. It's just, it's just, they rushed him up to the big leagues when they really didn't need to. No. Um, we're seeing the same thing happen over in Detroit as well. You know, Torkelson's up. They just brought up their other top prospect. Hopefully it'll do something, but I'm not expecting anything from most of these rookies. I just don't understand crowning rookies king before they even arrive. Right. Bobby, Bobby Witt Jr. He's, he's Bobby Witt better, Jr. is the greatest season, player though. in the world before this season started. Right. Exactly. You heard all about him, and now he's kind of quieted off. Now, he hasn't had a bad season. But no, he's, he's having a good year. Yeah, but he's playing for a bad Royals team. But I'm sure a lot of people thought, you know, maybe not they would be competitive, but they thought this guy might, you know, make this team a little more interesting. Hasn't quite happened. And it's like you said, it's kind of ridiculous to look at a rookie who hasn't played before and say, hey, man, elevate the rest of this team. Yeah, and, and guys getting called up nowadays, I mean, it's always like the top prospects first round. It's not necessarily because they're killing it. It's just a name. Basically, mm-hmm. we're seeing like the reverse Chris Bryant effect now. Yeah, that's a the great exact way of opposite. It. Yeah, but the difference was Chris Bryant was killing it in the minor leagues. Right. Did I play I, so five years. the year before Chris Bryant got called up, that, that whole debacle with mm. the Super 2 and the, the, the date and all that. The year before that, he got he he shot through the minor leagues fast, like super duper fast. Wait, the, what, the rate we're seeing guys get called up post pandemic is is different. That's not how things happen. It's how they're happening now. But Chris Bryant was an exception to the rule. He shot through the minor leagues, and the reason he shot through the minor leagues was not to justify a financial investment. He was just killing everyone he faced. Oh, man. I mean, he hit from, like, his junior year of college all the way. I mean, I think he was yeah. a Golden Spikes winner. He went from there to being the minor league you know, player of the year, went to be rookie of the year, then won the MVP in the World Series. Like, the guy did First nothing. First time I played for, him. Like, seriously, like, five years, did nothing but smash baseballs. Oh, yeah. First time I played against him, he was with Iowa. He had just arrived in Iowa, like, four days earlier. I was playing, I think it was 2013 or 14. I'm, yeah, I might be a 13, little off on the 13, year. 13, you're probably right, yeah. Uh, but I remember playing him at Iowa, and I remember you know, everybody's talking about this kid, Chris Bryant. And by the way, first time facing him, a lot taller and bigger than I expected. Yeah. Like, way taller and bigger than I expected. So he gets to the play, and I'm seeing like, all right, so this is the guy everybody's crowning the, the king of the world. First pitch, home run, opposite tank. And I'm sitting there at first base, seeing the ball go over my head. I didn't even turn around to the ball. I'm like, yeah, he's good. He should go to the big leagues. Yeah. I think, I, th- I, I think everybody was right about this one. I, I don't think anyone was wrong. This guy is quite good. Go ahead and call him up. And they just let him destroy the, the PCL for the rest of that season. And then, of course, they called him up the next year. But that whole thing. We're seeing the opposite now. Now yeah. it's like no one's even getting minor league experience. We, 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 we talked about how the Cubs are not developing anybody. What about these prospects who do need some development? 
Yeah. I mean, like a great example was Nico Horner. He was the first guy called up in his class in 2019. And the only reason the Cubs really called him up is because they had no shortstops. Like Javi Baez had just went on the IL. They didn't have mm-hmm. anyone ready besides like, I think like Zach Short and he was also hurt. So their next best shortstop was their first round pick of that last year to come play shortstop who really is probably was at least at the time considered a second baseman. That kind of stuff is happening a lot more now. And I don't know if it's specifically related to the pandemic and need, but there's some teams, like you've said, like, like Adley Rushman, like the, Baltimore didn't need a catcher. They didn't need the guy up here. Now could have gotten it played appearances in the minors, but he's on the big league roster. He is. And if he doesn't do, and that's the only thing I don't like about it. Like if you're just going to let him go up there and keep failing and failing and failing, there is a mental aspect to this game. Right. We talked about Kopech and the, you know, the demons he battled a couple of years ago. Every single there's any player that has a brain in their head has mental demons they got to deal with. The, the the there's a reason why catchers are often managers, but also often the worst hitter of the team. Catchers are too analytical. It's very hard to hit while being analytical because your job as a catcher is to outsmart the game. Your job is to put together a catching plan, a pitch uh, sequencing plan to beat every single hitter that comes to the plate. When I would catch, especially with the Padres, my, my the best uh, scouting reports I ever got was from Darren Balsley, the pitching coach from the San Diego Padres at the time. He would be, I knew every pitch of the game I was calling on every single player, pitch count, guys on the bench, guys that are starting, I knew everything about them and I knew every single pitch I was going to throw them. You need to know that and you have to break it down that way. The problem is on the flip side, it's really hard to hit that way. If you go up to the plate trying to outsmart the game, you are doing way too much and it's hard. Hitting's already hard. Now you try to try add the guessing aspect to it. Oh my God, it's the worst. Guys, we're going to take a quick little break. We're going to come back for our final segment of the day, uh, previewing you the Cubs and White Sox, and also previewing a little bit of down the line, which is coming up right afterwards. Guys, right here on 670 The Score. Hit and run Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's sports station. Gave up six runs on 10 hits. There's a swing and a miss. Kamala almost fell down. One out. That is 3,993 strikeouts, tying him with CC Sabathia on the all-time strikeout leaders list. Pulled a string. Got him with the slider, and there's two away. And with that, he passes CC Sabathia, sole 16th place on the all-time strikeout list for Justin Verlander. Can't deny it. Guy's going to be a first ra- first ballot Hall of Famer, unquestionably. Unless, of course, Jose Abreu has anything more to say about it, because Jose Abreu absolutely owns Justin Verlander. But thank God for Justin Verlander. He doesn't have to face Jose Abreu all that often. Hey, you uh, you pulled up some interesting stats about uh, Luis Robert that I, I find quite fascinating. He is not having his best year, obviously. But there are certain things in his advanced stats that are really, really eye-opening. And uh, why don't you start throwing them my way? Because there's one I want to talk about. Yeah, so I, I was looking into this just randomly. I saw that uh, someone had put up a graphic just kind of showing Robert's numbers from the last couple of years comparatively to this year. And there's a bunch of like big differences. Like his ground ball rate's gone up nearly 15 20%. Concerning. Yeah, swinging at a lot of pitches outside the zone more often, nearly 10% more. The fly ball rate. Not nearly as high. You expect that soft contract 
is coming up a little bit. Was at 13%. Now it's at 12 or 20%. He's pulling the ball last. Home runs are coming out here. He's only walked nine times. You know, the soft contact worked out a little bit um, yesterday. Obviously, he was able to drive in a couple runs off some good contact from Verlander, but it's all kind of on the ball. He's not necessarily mm-hmm. driving it. And I was looking at this because his strikeout rate has gone down throughout this whole process. And yes. I decided to take a look and see his plate appearances per pitches is the lowest out of any hitter, mm-hmm. qualified hitter right now of 156 batters. Luis Roberts seeing less pitches than anyone else right now. And I So there's a few of these right. that are that are linked with each other. So let's 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 link right. them together. Because well, I wanted to this is why and I, I love that you're hosting here, Cody, because you're a guy that can tell us why a dude would be doing this. Cause like you look at these numbers and it's like this isn't Luis Robert. Like what are the Sox trying to do with him right now? Okay. You know what I guarantee happened? He's trying to strike out less. That's what he's trying to do. And by trying to strike out less, he's putting the ball more in play, which you're now seeing soft contact rate go up from 13% to 20.2%. Guess what else contact rate is through the roof on that's not actually on here? That is way higher. He has more of a high, he has a higher contact rate outside of the zone by 10% than he did last season. Right. That's not good. That's him defensively taking at bats. This is a guy with a lot of power. He's not a guy you want to have taking defensive at bats. This is this is a uh, combination of of a couple of things, and this is something that happens in baseball a lot. This is a combination of a player's misinterpretation of certain aspects that he's being asked of, and a coach's imperfections on conveying what needs to be done. I'm going to give an example. Do you remember a player named Ben Francisco from Cleveland? Cleveland, yes, I do. Benny Francisco played at UCLA a couple years before me. Benny Francisco and me ended up playing together with the Padres organization in AAA. But Ben Francisco had a couple of very good years. And one year particularly, he hit uh, about just around 300 with like 10 homers. Great year. They called in the office, said, we have it down that you have more power in your tank. We want you to come back this year. We want you to add power. We want you to hit over 20 home runs. And he did. But his average went down from 300 down to about 265. Gets called in the office after that year. Hey, yeah, we need your average to go back up. You said you wanted more home runs. Yes, we want that, but we also want the average. Okay. So what you're asking is to, what they asked Ben Francisco to do was change from Ben Francisco, really good outfielder and guy who puts the ball in play and sneaks out about 15 home runs and helps you win ball games to getting out a few more RBIs, a few more home runs, but on base less, not taking advantage of his speed quite as much, not quite the same year, but it depends on what you're valuing. What they wanted was Ben Francisco to go from Ben Francisco, really good outfield, to top 10 in Major League Baseball in one offseason. That's not exactly a realistic thing to ask somebody. So when you tell somebody to stop striking out more, their thought is, I need to put the ball in play more. But what is the quality contact like? If you're going to take someone like Luis Robert, who hits the hell out of the ball, high exit velocity type guy who puts the ball in play with power numbers, and now he's just squeaking by singles because he's trying to put the ball in play more, we have a problem. I'll give you another example. Padres, when I played for him, I hate bringing up how much the Padres today, but it just happens that a lot of these stories are coinciding with my time with the San Diego Padres. I had a hitting coordinator named Tony Muser. Some of you old-time guys might remember Tony Muser. He was a first baseman for the Boston Red Sox back in the 60s. 
Tony Muser is, is a great old war general, the most old school guy in the world. You can't help but love him. Tony Muser one time was talking about this with me, this exact thing with me. And he's saying the problem with the metrics guys is they're not understanding the human element. Everybody has tools. All the guys here have tools. It's up to us to take those tools and make those tools as good. We need to make these guys the best versions of them rather than trying to fit them into a box of a superstar player that doesn't actually exist. So his thought process was, hey, they told me I need to strike out less. And he said, you do not stop. You No. He's like, I don't care what the front office just told you. You do not strike out less. In fact, I'm allowing you to strike out 20 more times next year. I said, what? He's like, Cody, you are a power hitter. I need the ball to go over the fence. What is your 60 time? I said about mm, six, nine, seven, one. He's like, yeah, so you're a run-of-the-mill runner. What good are you for me on first base? I said, not very. Exactly. What good are you if, if you are in scoring position in the batter's box by yourself with no one on, why do I want you hitting singles? Good question. It's a great. Why would you want me hitting singles? So you want me to add 15 percentage of average and subtract six homers? That's my game. Luis Roberts' game is to drive the baseball. But he's striking out less and putting the ball in play more, which means he's chasing more outside of the zone. So his chase rate is up. His swing rate is up. My point is, baseball's hard! Right. And uh, the other thing, too, is, like, because he's not seeing a lot of pitches, like, he's not even seen enough pitches to strike out, let alone, no. like, walk. Like, when you're at 3.13 pitches per plate appearance, like, you're barely seeing enough pitches to even strike out. I would look this up here just now. In plate appearances where he's had count leverage, so, you know, more balls and strikes, only, I think he's had 213 plate appearances out of those, I think, more than half have come without <laughs> the count leverage so he's not getting himself in those favorable counts to really do damage and that's that's kind of where like it feels like you're cutting him off at his knees you are and he's playing into their game with it because he's chasing them right they're they, they've gotten him out of his game his game is to hunt something in the zone that he can handle and instead they got him expanding his zone and going after pitches that it's not that he can't handle them he just can't do the same damage to him right. thus you're neutralizing luis robert Thus, you're not doing it. He's doing it to himself. Right. And someone's telling him to do it. I don't know who's telling him to do it, but it needs to stop. Right. It's crazy. Like, and, and obviously, like, you know, we say this here coming off a game where he, he looked all right. But like Shane mentioned, yeah. like a lot of soft contact. Like, you know, those hits squeak through. That's great. That probably doesn't happen too many times, especially against a guy like Verlander. But, yeah. you know, you can't look at this and say, all right, well, you know, that, these are the results we're looking for. It's like you're not. And if you look at his slash line, I mean, let's keep in mind, 48 games, 213 plate appearance. His slash line isn't isn't atrocious. It's just not what you expect from Luis Rod. Six homers, okay. 282, good average. 319, 396. I mean, yeah, we want those higher. He needs to get on base more. But it's the 396 that's catching my eye. Yeah, that's what I see Slugging percentage, 396? No, 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 no. Luis Roberts athletic. I don't mind him getting singles, but I don't need him shooting for singles. He's an extra base hit guy. He needs to knock guys in. He needs to shrink his zone because he's chasing pitches he can't handle early in the count. And I have a feeling it's because someone told him he needs to strike out less because that's what they always tell you. The problem is they don't tell you what you need to do 
to remain the same baseball player because here's the problem. They don't know. The front office will just tell you something. Keep in mind, most of those people in the front office never picked up a bat in their life. They're looking at numbers and saying, you need to do this more. Okay, how do I do this more? I don't know, get with your coaching staff. Well, the coaching staff needs to look at this like, okay, you want them to strike out less, but then we're going to take away other things from them. You have to understand who this player is. We have to reprogram things. Baseball's not, the, you mentioned it earlier, there's so much human element in here and none of it is quantified. Right. None. Not a single aspect of the human element, which I would say is roughly 70% of the I, game that, itself. That's what the game is, you know? It's played by humans. As much as we want to sit here and manipulate the numbers and try to treat everybody like they're video games, they are not. Luis Robert is not a video game. He is a human man trying to make adjustments. And the adjustments aren't killing him, but they aren't helping him either. That's really, and that's really where it kills me. Cause like, if this guy's even just like kind of close to what he was last year, a little bit, just a little more power, you're talking about an offense that maybe isn't so stagnant. You know, that's really what, I mean, the White Sox need a Luis Robert, <laughs> you know, you yeah. talk about what you needed the deadline. You need Luis Robert to go out there and start smashing baseballs. Yeah. I would, I would take 10%. I would take a 10% hike in strikeouts. I really would. I would take a 10% hike in strikeouts. I would take a dip in average if I can get some power out of them because this team has a problem scoring runs with bases loaded and runners in scoring position. And that's where a guy like Luis Robert is supposed to be the man. So I'm hoping he can turn this around. I'm hoping the White Sox can turn around. Keep in mind, this team is 500 right now. They're one game under 500. So I'm sorry, they're not exactly 500. But they are one game under 500 in a division that is not great. It just isn't. Like Shane said, I'm not ready to give up on this team yet, obviously. I still think this team is going to win the division. If you look at the gambling odds, I mean... There is actual value, and of course, we haven't talked about gambling in this entire show because when we take this next break, I'm going to call it a break because when we come back, it's a new show, but more me, so it might as well just be the same show. It's Down the Line with Cody Decker, brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino, and we're going to go through the gambling lines right after this. So stick around. That has been Hit and Run with Cody Decker filling in for Matt Spiegel. Thank you so much for joining me for these last three hours of baseball talk here on 670 The Score. Thank you so very much to Sean for making me sound way better than I deserve. Stick around for some slap named Cody Decker for Down the Line with Cody Decker, brought to you by Circuit Resort and Casino right here on 670 The Score. I'm not going to say beat it. Stick around. Listen to me. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.